Hello, hello. Welcome to Feminism Now. I'm Christian F. Nunes, the National President for the National Organization for Women. And first of all, Happy New Year to everyone. I am so excited about 2024. I hope you've all had an excellent and wonderful holiday and you're feeling energized and excited to keep this fight going for 2024 because do we have some things that we have to do in 2024. I am so extremely honored and excited to bring to you our special guest today, my sister, my soror, the amazing and multi-talented Nikki Gilbert Daniels, who is a Grammy-nominated R&B singer of the iconic group Brownstone. She is an actor, a producer, an entrepreneur, a nonprofit women's ownership founder and CEO. She's the founder and CEO of WARP, which stands for Women in Reality Film Media, an organization that is changing the negative narratives around women of color and media by empowering female content creators to produce their own entertainment and educational media. And by providing them with the tools and resources they need to demand equity, equality, and socioeconomic freedom. So y'all know me, I love to talk about equity and I love to talk about the importance of women just being empowered. So this conversation is so crucial and so important right now. I think we've heard so much about what's happening. So please, everyone, audience, listeners, please help me welcome the amazing, multi-talented Nikki Gilbert. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, Soror, how are you? I am fabulous. I thank you so much for coming on this show. When this podcast started, I just thought about our conversations we've had about equity and the place for women to just have their freedoms. And I just, no other person I thought about to have this conversation with than you. So thank you for (laughs) (laughs) coming on this podcast and just uh, having this conversation with us today. So just to get started, before we get started, is there anything you want to share with our listeners about the work that you're doing a little bit more about yourself? And then we'll go into our conversation. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. And, you know, I have such a passion for anything related to equity and women of color. And I thank you for thinking of me. That is my passion. I think, you know, when I look back at my life from the beginning, I was putting things together. I I remember singing in the garage and putting together my first girl group with young girls from the neighborhood. And we rehearsed in the back and one day we're going to be famous. And I just think about the joy that it brings me to always share space with other women and build. And I'm grateful to be here. So that that is what I am. I'm a woman who enjoys building and amplifying the voices of underserved people, in particular, women of color. Because I think, well, all women, let's say all women, not just women of color, all women. But I have a heart for women of color, for sure. Absolutely. And I and I want to just really share with the listeners that, and when Nikki says she has this heart, it's really authentic heart. She does so much. She does. She has her own podcast. She speaks live. She has her own nonprofit. She has all these different pieces of work and creative work that she's doing to really help and empower individuals and just elevate people to live in their full potential. And I call it artivism, which is the mixture of art and activism. So I would like to just kind of start off and tell us some of your influential figures, some of the people in your life that have motivated you to take the journey you're taking right now. Oh, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, 
my mother, Helen Gilbert, who is my angel now. My mother was the first example of a woman entrepreneur in my life. Now we have all these words. She was this amazing, beautiful, multi-hyphenate, single mom, womanpreneur. Like she, well, first of all, my mom and all her sisters helped my grandfather literally build the house they were living in. So they were, they have pictures and video of them like putting bricks on the, you know, little stock or whatever, the pile. But my mom started to do real estate. I didn't understand it. I was very hard-headed at the time. But she kept saying, you have to think of something else because she was also a jazz singer. She was also someone who operated a secondhand store. So she's like, you always have to have multi-streams of income. Um, and it always has to be rooted in something positive for the community. So my mother was the first. And then also Susan Story, who is my beautiful, still in my life to this day, inspiring and encouraging me. She is a Scottish woman who taught drama in the inner city. She literally, I was short of credit to graduate on time. She said, oh, well, your junior year, you're going to community college to pick up that credit so that you can get this scholarship that we're going to get next year. We got the scholarship. I went on to Eastern Michigan University. And to this day, she still pours into me. Oh, that is amazing. But I think it also talks about the importance of having mentors, right? And having people who pour into you really early on in age and I think that is so important, especially for young women to have someone who pours into them early on and, and says, oh, oh no, no, uh, you're going to do this. <laughs> you know, you're going to do this and we're going to make sure you do this and you make sure you're successful because so many times we see women being attacked. And, and I think right now we're seeing women be attacked more than ever. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. We have more access. More people can actually amplify those situations. So one of the things I think is more even more interesting is that when we talk about equity and we talk about equality and this freedom, you know, we already know that there are disparities in that. We already know there's injustice in that. And we know that it's, you know, really truthfully wrapped in misogyny and it's white patriarchy. It's wrapped in systematic racism. And because of these, and a lot of times people don't want to talk about those things, but I do because that's the truth. I'm a truth teller. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I'm going to tell the truth. And it's uncomfortable, you know, for people to have those conversations, but I think it's important that we have the conversation. And you work in the entertainment industry. And this past year, I, I would say we've been seeing a lot happen in the entertainment industry where people have been demanding equity and pay and just talking about what their experiences are. But when we speak more to women, we even see more barriers and more gaps. And so tell me some of the barriers that you're seeing regarding equity when we're talking about the entertainment industry, because we know this big, huge strike that just happened. Yes. Um, and the impact that it's had and how it really kind of shined light onto the reality of what's really happening in people's lives who are providing entertainment. Okay, so can you share with us some of those biggest barriers you've seen that you've also put voice to for us? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that happens is we're conditioned to really believe that it should be about being famous, right? We're conditioned to believe that it should be about to borrow from the great Suge Knight all up in the videos dancing. We are rarely brought into the conversations about pay disparities and equity until we really get a full picture 
of just how horrible the situation is. And then by then, you've signed non-disclosure agreements. You're afraid that you'll be blackballed in the industry. You're afraid that being a disruptor, being a disruptor sounds cool, right? But unfortunately, you also get labeled difficult. So you really have to wrestle with whether or not you're willing to compromise your livelihood and how you build revenue. You have to keep this facade up because that's what it's all been built on. And it's been around since the beginning of time. If you think about Prince and if you think about Michael Jackson and you think about it really affected men. So imagine how difficult it is to be a woman in this industry and do all the things that women have to do. Become caregivers for your parents, caregivers for your children. You have 10 times the responsibility. You get paid half as much for the work. And when you complain about it, your opportunities are often pulled away, to be totally honest, as a form of reprimanding or just reminding you who's in charge. And unfortunately, there are not a lot of people in those spaces who are willing to step out and speak up and speak out about the disparities. The difficult thing is the economy is crazy. We're recovering from a pandemic. And while SAG-AFTRA definitely made strides, there's a very real conversation that needs to be had about women of color in particular who are just being neglected at every level. And the crazy thing is we are the number one consumers of the contents that's generating all this. I mean, absolutely. You bring a point about being the number one consumers and sometimes the, the number one contributors, right, to this amazing content that's helping make these millions and billions of dollars, but yet the most undervalued in the process. So it's kind of like this huge thing because that's what's happening is like you clearly said, and it happens, I think, across um, different levels of careers for everyone. You know, we see that when you do speak up and you're a truth teller and you tell the truth and you're being authentic, we want to shun that down, hush it, put a cap on it. Um, we want people who will just do as told. And then when we get those people who do as told, then those are the ones that, you know, we're called other ones difficult but the problem is that can continue to create the systems of inequity, right? And so I wonder, like, how do we really get past this? Like, what do you see as a way to get past and around these barriers that we're constantly seeing? The solution is probably one of the simplest solutions, I think, to any problem. And that is, number one, to admit that there is a problem, right? I think that we are constantly, again, dancing in videos, contributing to online digital content, you know, influencers, we influence everything. We create a lot of this stuff. And as long as it's going well for the individual, no matter how detrimental that is to the collective, as long as an individual is winning, then it's almost like all the praise and the attention and the, well, you should be like this person here. Until we discover, which we've been discovering very recently, that a lot of, unfortunately, men who have had the power to control the narratives as content creators and, and just people of color in entertainment, we're realizing that a lot of those people are not perfect. And a lot of those people have a lot of issues. So when you look at the trickle-down effect of being prevented from having opportunities by large corporations, and then you think about who those large corporations identify as the people we should aspire to get to, and you start to see what's happening with those people, 
then you realize the only way to do it is to build it from the bottom up. That is the solution. People being tired of being tired. You know, we talk about economic protest. It doesn't have to be, like you said, calling someone out is not what this is about. Just speaking the truth about what something is and speaking the truth about what the solution that will ultimately be beneficial for everyone. See, that's the thing. I think people assume that it has to be this way in order for the capitalists or the people who are concerned about their money to be successful. And it's quite the opposite because if it stays this way, then it's all going to crumble and nobody makes money. Everyone is content starved. Everyone is looking for something that the masses can enjoy. And I think a part of that is building it from the bottom up, no pun intended, and collaborating and partnering versus being works for hire and told what the narrative of our communities should be. Yeah, I absolutely love that, Nikki, is saying you are defining the narrative instead of letting people tell you what the narrative of your community can be your community should be, because I think that is what is the problem, right? That is why we are so often seen incorrectly. We are so often mislabeled. There are so many negative stereotypes. There's so much degradation. There's so much negativity. Why we see young girls, adultification, hypersexualization, because we are allowing other people to create those narratives for us. So as we talk about the bottom up and speaking of your foundation, you provide a lot of information out there. One of the, you named a really disturbing statistic that I think it's really important for people to know about while we're having this conversation and why it's so important that we are building that narrative, right? On your bottom-up foundation, you said that Black female characters are more than twice as likely to be shown partially or fully nude in family films than in family TV. That is a 13.5 compared to a 5.2%. So... When we're looking at that, there, right there, that tells you that there is automatically this hypersexualization and exploitation of Black women and Black films, right? And, and films. And, and the objectification of them as well. And that actually, we know, statistics show us and tell us that that does real harm to women. That, has, that does harm to like sexual harassment, it does harm to sexual violence, it does harm to relationships in so many ways. Can you tell us more about what the From the Bottom Up Foundation is doing to resist toxic media depictions? Yeah, you know, it goes back to understanding how, first of all, if we're honest about it, the most influential, powerful force in the universe right now is the media. Politics, community, business, money, like what the media controls, the masses tend to believe, right? So if you don't live in communities where you see women like yourself, women like me, are so, you know, just any, and hardworking, just everyday women who are great parents, even if they're single family homes, if you don't see that on a daily basis, if you don't interact with those people, then the only other examples or representations that you have are the ones that are in the media, the ones that are on television. So there is this ongoing narrative that Black women are negative, that Black women are hypersexual. When you start thinking about the TV shows that we all see on a regular basis, and this isn't about calling anybody out, like you said, this is just about factual stuff, right? The number one shows on television that are worldwide, meaning 
people in Europe, people in China, people all over the world. Those narratives are drug dealers, strippers, Debbie dads, drug addicts. They don't see the beauty of what people of color are capable of. See Dolores Tucker. I have to bring her into this conversation. And if you don't know who she is, this is the reason why we're establishing WIRF, W-I-R-F, because we're going to tell the stories of these amazing women who saw what was happening today in the 90s. See, Dolores Tucker was an advocate for women and changing the narratives. She's the reason why on certain albums or records, there's a parental advisory sticker. And she talked about this very moment, these very representations. And now everything she's saying, those very same people that were calling her the B word, those very same people that were saying that she's just talking about stuff that's outdated and this is how the world changes. Those people are now being investigated for all kinds of heinous acts or either in the grave or in jail. Absolutely. And and, and it's such a, a great point you pull out because like now we're seeing like this work. And I always like to pull out the work of community activists. The work that like your layman Dolores Tucker community activists did to call out and bring to attention the need for us to be accountable and start paying attention to what's happening and how it's affecting our communities. And many times they were ostracized, which we know is historically, right? We see this historically, that's happened in all types of movements <laughs> for those who refused to accept when they were you know, labeled devalued and they were labeled less than, and they challenged that because they knew their worth and they knew what they were about. They were labeled and the whole point of power and control is to, an oppression is to break a person, right? If you break them long enough, they'll start buying into belief that they are not worth it. So they'll be depressed. So oppression is part of depression, right? And depressed and despair and hopelessness and give up and start buying into what you're saying. And that is part of the cycle of power and oppression. But part of this also is to do that to people who, who are aware and awake and recognize, right? What is happening? How can I break this person to make so people can start attacking them to then believe that they what they're saying and their truth and their knowledge is not really what it is. So then we can't bring attention to the need to hold them accountable for how they are helping contribute to the oppression and injustice and inequity of communities. You know what I'm saying? And so <laughs> we don't want to talk about that, right? Because we, we get like to the point, we have these conversations and then we stop because once again, people feel that they have to make a choice for survival in this world. That's what we're seeing, right? When we talk about inequities, when we talk about people choosing, like, do I speak up or do I stay quiet because I have to feed my family? And that's a tough decision, you know? And that's the reason why the ownership, number one or two export. Is entertainment and media the one place we really excel? If you look at a basketball court, you will you will see predominantly African American basketball players. If you look at some of the most successful television series and streaming platforms, you will see African American narratives. We control what we see and what we watch and what we believe. If we could snap out of it, and the way to snap out of it, to your point, is someone who means well and someone who is doing well financially has to open us up to that. I was watching the Tyler Perry documentary, 
Maxine's baby. And the one thing that stood out to me as the truest thing in that documentary was it was his demanding ownership with said company that changed the trajectory of his life, that put him in a position to be able to build that studio, right? That was the key takeaway from that whole thing. Being able to control and own, have ownership of your intellectual properties, your IP. Because he was able to do that, he was able to build something incredible. And the only way that it continues to work is if people either inspire by him or he takes it upon himself to take the responsibility of creating other owners. Highest population of black billionaires in the country are in sports and entertainment. Look at Oprah Winfrey. She shouldn't have had to ask anybody for additional. I I was watching a clip and she said that she had to go and ask for additional money because, of course, she saw the thing with Taraji and all of that. Why? You are the tip of the iceberg. A lot needs to change when women of color, women in general, have to go and basically beg to prove something that we're all going to discover once we just let them let us go and be great that we're right. Absolutely. I think that, you know, when we speak about women in general is that we can't continue to use women as the backbone of everything we need in this world. But when it's time to give a woman what they need for support, whether it be financial, whether it be physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever support, everyone becomes radio silent. Um, everyone backs out. Everyone steps back and says, wait your turn. No, they've given, women have given more than our time, you know, to fully support everyone else. So it really is a time where, you know, for this equity to really occur. And I think just when it comes to everybody else standing up the ground, I don't think it's for women to do this. I always have this conversation. Women have shown what we're capable of doing. We've shown our value. We've shown our work. We've shown what we will achieve, what we continue to achieve despite adversities, especially women from marginalized groups, especially BIPOC women. Um, but I think what it is now, this is where we held about accountability. <laughs> this is a time when other people who have the influence, who have the power, who have the money need to step up and start saying, you know what? I need to create succession. I need to create a pipeline. I need to create a place for these women to be able to to establish their legacies and their equity so that they no longer have to take a whole additional 20 years to get to the place that I got 40 years ago. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's just that simple. And that's where it's lacking. And until we really see that accountability where these corporations, these companies, these men, these people of power right now, 10 men are the top 10 wealthiest men in the world occupy $1.47 trillion dollars. And they are all men and they're all white men, right? And eight of them are in the U.S. Eight of them are in the U.S. And what businesses are they in? Right. So we see tech, media, (laughs) tech, media, and then computer like IT, right? Those are the top three. But even so, imagine what could happen if they stopped and said, okay, I recognize that I have advantage here. I recognize that I have advantage over these women. I recognize that I have this ability to create some pipelines. Right. But just truly invest in equity for true liberation for all people. They just did a tip of it. Imagine when they just did a tip. I mean, what did it affect them? 1.47 trillion, 10 people own of all the world. <laughs> you did a billion dollars, it wouldn't affect you. Right. But a billion dollars could create pipelines for succession and legacy from, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people. And you see the success of women-led businesses. 
when they give us the opportunity to show and prove and delegate and not putting us up there as a token, but, you know, blocking here and there so that we can't really lean fully into our gifts to really make positive changes within any area, you know, of employment or or corporate America. If they just give us the opportunity to really do what we do without looking over our shoulders, allow us to be the magic that we are. Women are magic. If they allow us to do that, then everybody wins. Their bottom line goes up and they're not doing it at the demise or destruction of a group of people. Absolutely. Oh, Nikki, we are out of time. <laughs> because I'm long-winded. I've no, been I, for so long. <laughs> I'm so long-winded too, so don't even worry about it. Right. But I So mean, much story. It, it's so much story, and it's such a great start. Um, we definitely have to come back next season and talk more. Anytime. I think it brings more into talking about the sexual violence part about this, what's happening too. And then what do we do about this? Like, how do we, I want to go more into just really talking about like, how do we protect women from these objectification and hypersexualization that's happening, which then leads to sexual harassment and sexual abuse in real life. And there's a direct connection. And we need to talk about that and how we all can work in community because a big part of that too is how do we all bring together our different communities and our different areas to work toward really healing um, and, and empowering people versus just doing it for the dollar. <laughs> so we got to move from that. But I just really want to thank you so much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> for those out there who are interested in more about um, Nikki's foundation from the bottom up, um, Nikki, can you share the website? Because I don't want to, I think, I think it's initials, but I want you to share it. So. Yes, it is from the bottom up foundation.org. Yes. So please visit that if you want to get involved um, with any of the work she's doing. Please visit that website. Um, please support Brownstone as well. Yes. <laughs> so that we have a really big equity conversation coming up with Eric Monty, the creator of Good Times. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and just remember, everyone, that we have to hold people accountable uh, so that they know that they are just as much involved in creating equity in this world. It is not for the people who lack equity to do it. It's for those who have access to also be accountable for what they're doing to create equity and freedom and liberation for all of us. So thank you so much for coming and joining us. Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for joining us on Feminism Now. If you would like to get involved in now.org, please visit us on our website. You can learn more about our core issues and our approach to advancing women's equality. That's it. We've done it. It's a wrap on Feminism Now Season 1. We'll be back with all new content and guests that are putting in amazing work in the feminism space. We can't wait for you to hear it. But for now, goodbye, and we'll see you soon. Topic up.